This past summer, three of our youth, Sophie Veach, Carolyn Knickerbocker, and Cooper Ossent, along with their advisor, Jenny Bay, went to the Montreat Middle School Conference. And you should also know that that conference was run by our very own Lauren Rye, who is a second-year seminary student at Union Presbyterian Seminary in Richmond, Virginia. As you heard from Cooper, the middle school conference theme was for such a time as this. You can also see that theme on his awesome t-shirt taken from that passage up from Esther that he read this morning. And you will also note that the prayers of the people written for this morning are drawn in part from the worship materials of that week. The very same week, six other youth, Reese Ossent, Eileen Ossent, Harrison Lutzer, Lydia Stratton Smith, Maddie Beach, and Julia Wisby attended Presbyterian Youth Triennium at Purdue University. Sean Ossent served as their advisor, Jane Carden worked the staff lounge, and Ann McMicken served on the community life care team. Drawing from the words of our middle hymn today, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, their theme of Here's My Heart talked about our deepest desire to be part of something bigger than ourselves. It speaks of passion and identity, of purpose and action. And so elements of today's worship, including the graphic on your bulletin that you'll see even better on the backs of those shirts of our triennium attendees, those graphics, the gospel lesson, and the sermon also draw on the themes from that life-changing gathering of over 4,500 youth and adults. But if you really want to get a truer glimpse of those experiences, you must absolutely make your way down to Fellowship Hour after worship, where the youth have put together a video that will give you a better uh, view of what their experience was really like. And better yet, you will have the opportunity to talk to the youth directly and then let them tell you what made a difference for them. And I guarantee you, you will be blessed. Let us pray. Holy God, send your word of grace to us in this time and place that the words we hear may be yours alone, and that we might respond in love and gratitude and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Our gospel lesson is from the gospel according to Luke, the 15th chapter, verses 1 through 10. Hear these words of the gospel. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents 
and over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance? Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One Sunday afternoon a few years ago, I went to visit someone in hospice care. I got to the facility, and I had been visiting with the family for a little while. When I looked down at my right hand and noticed that the birthstone in my ring was missing. Now, you know the panic that you feel when you lose something, right? Suddenly, our attention turned to the missing stone. Now, although this was a pretty one, and it was definitely a step up from a cheap piece of jewelry, it's not like it was priceless. But it was a gift from someone special to me, and hint, his first name starts with a B. <laughs> so my impulse, and the impulse of the family, was to stop visiting immediately and to begin looking for the stone. We all became laser-focused on that same objective, even as we were there in a hospice facility. We retraced all of our steps. We walked up and down the hall, back and forth, into the rooms where we'd been. We went down on our hands and knees, looking, feeling the floor to see if we could find it. No luck. In a similar vein, earlier this year, Brad came home after an evening meeting here at the church. And he was, shall we say, agitated. You see, he and one other person were the last to leave the building that night, and just as they were walking out the Meg Street door, they noticed water dripping down from the ceiling. Not just a little bit, but a lot. Well, Brad called our sexton, John Pilato, to let him know, and since he had been up in the attic of this building numerous times for other projects, he decided to go up there to try to identify where the roof was leaking. It was dark, so he took out his brand new smartphone to turn on the flashlight so that he could see. And as he took it out of his pocket before he got the light turned on, he dropped it. Now, he could have dropped it almost anywhere, and it would be fine because there is a nice solid floor. But there was one opening, less than a foot in diameter, just one opening from some old, unused ductwork. And you can guess what happened. That is exactly where his brand new phone dropped down that black hole, anywhere from 10 to 20 feet down, how far he couldn't tell. Where that ductwork stopped, 
He had no idea. So he had the other person who was waiting down below call his number. He could hear the phone ring, so he knew that at least it was still working, but he had no idea where it was, or how to get to it, or even if you could get to it. It was late, and if he were ever able to be able to retrieve it, he would need help finding it, and it was going to at least have to wait until the next day. I would be anxious, too. See, these stories aren't all that different from the ones that Jesus told in response to the grumbling of the religious leaders as the hated tax collectors and sinners approached. This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. It made me think of life in a school cafeteria. There's a group of cool kids sitting at a lunch table with Jesus, and there are a couple of open seats. We've all been in school cafeterias, right? And heading that way with their trays of delicious cafeteria food were a couple of other kids. The unpopular ones. The awkward ones. The ones not very good at sports. Without many friends. The ones who had a questionable sense of fashion. The ones you wouldn't dare be seen talking to for fear of being taunted. And the cool kids exchange looks and roll their eyes for they know what Jesus is about to do. He's about to call them over to join them. Who is of value in the kingdom of God? What is God's response to the one who has drifted outside the circle? Who is worthy of being sought out? A lowly shepherd has 100 sheep, and he loses one. That's only 1% of his whole flock. He has 99% left. What's the big deal? A woman has 10 coins, and she loses one. Okay, that's a little bit more, but it's still only 10%. She still has 90% of what she had. After all, we all lose things. It just happens. I lost a stone. Brad lost a phone. The shepherd lost his sheep. The woman lost her coin. None of us tried to lose them. And then a weird thing happens. When you lose something, it's not just the item that's lost. It's you that feels lost. The loser becomes the lost. I lost the stone in my ring and I felt disoriented. I couldn't concentrate. Brad lost his phone. Did you ever lose yours? You don't even have to lose it. All you have to do is leave it on your desk or in your locker or on the table at the coffee shop that you left an hour ago. And as soon as you get home and realize it, you're lost without it. Losing something makes you feel lost. You lose a best friend and you're lost. It's your turn to make the varsity team until you get injured and you lose your spot. And suddenly you're adrift. You lose your self-esteem and you shrink away. 
You lose your sense of purpose in life, then you wander. You lose hope, and you go astray. Lost, lonely, insignificant, invisible, forgotten, unloved, unnoticed, unacknowledged. This is the human experience, no matter what your age, no matter what your demographic. Sometimes you turn to substitutes to make yourself feel worthy, a harmful substance, a risky action, an unhealthy relationship. There's a lostness of thinking you have all the answers. And sometimes, sometimes you even lose your faith and drift away from God. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, says that triennium hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. The kids at Triennium learned the story of that hymn's author, Robert Robinson, who lived way back in the 1700s. He lost his father when he was a boy. He and his mom were both disinherited by her father. When he was a teenager, his mother sent him to London to become an apprentice. And as young people sometimes do when they get a little bit of freedom, and older people for that matter too, got himself in trouble for a time. You could say he went astray. He was lost. He and some friends went to an event to heckle the preacher, George Whitfield, and when he was there, he heard a message of God's grace that would not leave him. Robinson turned his life around eventually, became a minister himself, and then he wrote this old and wonderful hymn that, yes, even kids at Triennium 2019 could get excited about. But it's not the end of the story. Years later, his life became unstable, and even this hymn-writing minister lost his faith for a time. Maybe that's happened to you, too. Or maybe it's happened to one of your children, or to one of your grandchildren. Robert Robinson, even he, drifted away from the faith, from the God, from the Jesus that he had once loved. And though various autobiographies say he somehow found his way back to faith, the stories that Jesus told, and in fact, the words of the hymn that he wrote, suggest it was God who found him and brought him back into that embrace. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. And the line, I love, oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. When I lost the stone in my ring, I could not rest. In a last-ditch effort, I went out to my car, and on the way I scanned the pavement, could not find anything. I finally opened the car door, I climbed in, and I glanced down at the cup holder. 
And I almost missed seeing the small object that had blended in. And I picked it up and I turned it over to see what I had been looking for. Eureka! When Brad dropped his brand new phone, I can for sure tell you he hardly slept that night trying to figure out how he and the Sextons could possibly locate and retrieve it, and I will leave it to you to ask him how they did it. <laughs> what I can tell you is that it took persistence and dogged determination and a good deal of creativity. And when they succeeded, oh, was there great rejoicing. There's an interesting progression in the stories Jesus told. First, the shepherd relentlessly scoured the hills of Judea in search of the one lowly sheep out of 100 that got away, the 1%. Yet he did not give up, and when he found it, he gathered all of his friends and neighbors to come and rejoice with him. The next story, the woman lost 10% of her life savings, one out of 10 coins. She pulled out her broom, she lit a lamp, and she swept every nook and cranny until she located the coin. And she too was so relieved, she called her friends and neighbors over to celebrate. And then, not included in our scripture reading this morning, Jesus followed on with one more story about a father who endures the running away of one of his two sons. 50%, one of two. And you should see this pattern by now. When the lost son returned, the father threw a huge party. And in this progression, we see how equally relentless and determined God is for them all, and how enormous the stakes are for God's very self, God's flesh and blood, people made in God's own image. When my now-grown nephew was a toddler, pre-9-11, he wandered out of sight down a concourse in the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. A curious and fearless little boy, he'd taken off, gone in the blink of an eye. A big, busy airport, crowds of preoccupied people, juggling luggage, finding tickets, carrying a baby, hurrying on to the next gate. So many distractions no one noticed at first. He wandered off and no one knew where. It took nearly two hours before his parents and the airport staff located him quietly playing at the end of a concourse. Can you imagine how desperate they were to find him? And can you imagine the celebration when they did? Jesus tells the cynical this is what God does. This is how God responds to those the world says are of little value. And this is how God responds, even if the one that you think has no value 
is yourself. After all, notes Caroline Lewis, some of us would rather stay hidden, even wish to be lost or left alone, if not forever, at least for the time being. A kind of lostness that's even a mode of self-protection. Let me be, I'm fine, because being found is both frightening and enlightening. Exposure makes us wonder if we're worthy of finding, worthy of the kind of celebration narrated in Luke. It's also true that these parables invite us to join God's work of seeking and finding the missing and forgotten people, creation that has been neglected. Are we as persistent on God's behalf as the shepherd and the woman? That could be the topic of an entire sermon on its own. But for today, maybe it's enough just to know that no matter if you have intentionally wandered or if you're lost with no idea how you got there, if you're hidden and want to be found or hiding and wish to stay that way, God loves you enough to keep seeking you out relentlessly because the celebration is ready and waiting. The party is about to start. Amen.